Welcome to the Dildorks, dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. My name is Kate Sloan. I'm a sex journalist, a sex blogger, and I have a habit of dating app developers. It's just a continuing pattern in my life. And uh, Bex is not around this week because I'm on vacation, so I decided to give Bex a week off also, but I'm interviewing my partner, who I have here with me. His name is Matt. Hello, Matt. Hi, Kate. You are so many things. You are an app developer. You are a New Yorker, a dominant-leaning switch, a sadist, a hypno-kinkster, a daddy-dom. All of those things. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's right. It's a good a good summary. Uh huh. Okay, so you've been a, a dude, nerd also, a nerd, yeah. yeah, and a sex nerd, and uh, many other kinds of nerd. But uh, speaking of sex nerds, you have been a, a Dildorks listener for longer than we have been dating. Is that fair to say? That's right. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I think I started listening to the show shortly after I started following, following you on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I started following you on Twitter shortly after I started reading your blog um, when it was linked to in another, uh, another sex blog that I was reading at the time. Mm-hmm. And did you have a crush on me when you started listening to the show? Yeah, of course. <laughs> You're very crushable. <laughs> Thank you. And then, so I love the story about how you decided not to listen to my show the night before our first date. That's true, yeah. I saw the uh, notification come up on my phone, um, and I was going back and forth on whether I should listen to that episode. I think it was the A-Spot episode uh, (laughs) right before our first date that we weren't sure was a date, wasn't a date. Yeah. Um, And I thought it would put too much specific stuff in my head that I would want to talk to you about and make me, maybe make me seem a little too keen. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that would be cute, though, if you showed up and you were just like, I listened to your new episode today. But yeah, if if I wasn't sure about you, then it, it might seem a little bit... A little creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I say The it. show is good, though. Yeah. Did you like that episode? <laughs> yeah, it was great. I learned a lot. <laughs> you, learned, you learned so much. Um, so, what... Is it like dating someone who does a sex podcast? Because basically I come on this show every week and I'm like, here's the correct way to date and fuck me. And then you get to listen to that mm-hmm. along with all our thousands of other listeners. So what's that like? Um, it's really it's really great. Like I am a huge fan of the show. I would be listening to the show even if we weren't dating. It's um, It kind of reminds me of a better, more updated version of a show that we both listen to. Sex mm-hmm. is fun. Um, Aww so sweet yeah and and i think it's uh the thing that is interesting about dating you and dating a host of a sex podcast is that um you get to hear all that stuff you get it you get to hear the inner like processing and philosophy of that person um as they look at their own sex life and uh and and interview uh folks about other sex topics so it's Mm. it it helps me have better sex with you but also just like Um, gets me thinking about stuff in my own sex life uh, separately as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's nice to be dating someone who is as nerdy about sex as I am because, like, previously I would often date people who, like, wouldn't listen to the show or, like, would but wouldn't seem to take anything away from it, and I would always be frustrated by that because if I was dating someone who had basically published a manual on how to fuck them better, like, I would have memorized that manual. So I was very, like, confused by people not doing that. Yeah, what what do you think the impulse was there why do you think people um did that well i think 
people want to believe that sex is something that you should just sort of discover organically and be naturally good at in mm-hmm. some sense. And I think you and I share the conviction that like there is some element of that, but also like you can study and work hard and get better at like fucking a particular person or fucking in general. And there are certain skills you can pick up and things you can learn. And it's something that's like worth investing effort and time into instead of just like assuming that everything's just going to magically come together. Yeah, I mean, if you, that's sort of part of being a nerd, right? Like, if you really like something, like Mm -hmm. both of us really like sex, Mm -hmm. um, it's worth um, spending some time, money, energy to like get really good at it and Mm -hmm. and be um, better at it than the average person um, because it's like a passion of yours it's a thing you enjoy and it's okay to treat sex like a hobby right mm-hmm. yeah yeah I know Bex has been saying lately he wants to do an episode about treating sex as a hobby which is something that I think all three of us do and is like part of why our sex lives are so you know such an important big part of our lives and and enrich them so much but so you're so nerdy about so many kinks I I wrote down so many notes for things that I want to ask you about, and it's just, like, a bunch of different rapid-fire things, really. But one thing that I thought our listeners would find really interesting is your talent for what I call topping for catharsis. So Mm -hmm. for people like me who are submissives or bottoms who enjoy, like, a cathartic emotional element of those experiences, like, I really like to be brought to tears during a spanking, for example. Like, that is important for me, both sexually and emotionally, to do that on occasion. And I feel like you are, like, uniquely among my past partners skilled at making that happen. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, like, what goes into that? How do you make someone cry by spanking them in a way that is, like, emotionally uh, healthy and satisfying for all involved? Sure. Uh, well, f- there's a couple of parts uh, to that. The first thing is you have to make sure that the person that you're going to top um, wants that, mm-hmm. right? Which, in your case, like, we had that conversation early on yeah. about how you think about your kinks and, like, what you want out of it, and catharsis is one of the things that came up. Mm-hmm. Um, once you have that uh, established then it's sort of about finding the edges and limits of how much they can take. Mm -hmm. And you do that uh, without that goal at first. Like, um, you, without the goal of getting to catharsis, just the goal of exploring their tolerance, their edges. um, And then when you actually want to build up and and get that kind of, like, intense, um, cathartic, maybe burst-into-tears type reaction... Mm -hmm. um, you want to use what you know about pushing them to those edges and also uh, also use a lot of um, uh, use a lot of what you know about them emotionally with mm-hmm. with uh, I guess I could call it dirty talk but it's not really dirty talk right it's like <laughs> it, for you for you it's like um, really encouraging um, loving like words that are contrasted with this like really intense impact that yeah. usually causes that. Yeah, it's one of the funny things about this sort of daddy-dom-little-girl type of dynamic is that what is essentially dirty talk is actually just shit like, I love you so much, and you're safe, and um, you're beautiful, and you did such a good job this week, which, like, doesn't sound dirty and isn't really, and yet it, like, scratches an itch in my heart in the same way that certain dirty talk feels like it scratches an itch sexually, so... Right. Yeah. And if you and if you say that kind of stuff while you're hitting someone, 
not near the the edge of how much they can take. That may just be like a nice mm-hmm. um, kind of routine yeah. uh, impact scene. But if you amp up the level of intensity of the impact and you you get to a point where they're taking more than they can normally take and you're saying that stuff and it's all sort of building to this crescendo, that's when often you can like push them over the edge into into catharsis. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it is like the way that you can push someone over the edge into orgasm by saying certain dirty phrases or whatever that you know work for them. And if you say them earlier in the process, then it's not going to necessarily do that. Um, but if you, you know, say certain emotionally triggering in a good way things for me at the, at the right time, I will just absolutely burst into tears and be like wrecked, but in a way that is like an emotional orgasm in a sense. Right. And uh, yeah, I've never really had anyone do that with as much skill as you do it. And I think it's partly because like, you know me so well and you know the right things to say. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so you're a sadist. Yes. And so you enjoy pushing me to those limits physically and emotionally. And I have known a lot of people who were curious about sadism or like knew that they were sadists, but felt really weird about it. Like, you know, there's a lot of bullshit in the media about how sadism is inherently bad. And I think like obviously outside of consensual kink context, it is. Yeah. But how did you come to terms with being a sadist? Uh, it was a process. I think if you are sadistic and you don't examine that, you never feel weird about it or like there might be some conflicts with your ethics, that's maybe something to worry about a little <laughs> bit. Like th- there should be, in my view, a period of uh, of questioning and figuring out why um, or if not why, like how you can implement uh, the feelings that you're having uh, of wanting to hurt somebody in an ethical way. Mm-hmm. So for me, like I've had numerous partners who were into pain mm-hmm. and o- over my life. And I think over the period of my sadism developing, I kind of went through that same, that same process of building up an in intensity. So I started with very light, like scratching that partners were asking for, or, um, really really light impact uh bondage stuff like that where it was um bedroom only and like very uh uh very kind of easy mm-hmm. stuff um and when i started wanting more intense um sadistic scenes i also happened to meet like people who wanted to be hurt more mm-hmm. like like yourself so um i think for me like I do still have those moments sometimes where I'm hurting someone a lot, like near their limit, hurting you a lot, um, and I need reassurance in the Mm -hmm. aftercare that, like, this is a thing that you wanted and this is a thing that we agreed to and and whatever, Mm -hmm. because, like, I'm still human and I still see that I'm causing a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. Um, And emotionally, right after, you know, in that, like, top drop moment, right after a scene, it can be, like you can kind of recoil at yourself and like what you did. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that has helped a ton. Having having constant reassurance from my partner that like this is a thing that is wanted and this is um, a healthy expression of it is, is, really, is really good. Yeah. It's really hard for me to give that feedback and it's not because I don't feel that way. It's just like I forget because I'm right. in subspace and it's like I'm really just focused on like moment to moment 
you know, my, my own experience. And I've known so many dominants and sadists who were like nervous about it that I had to start thinking about being more proactive about offering that feedback. Because I think like many people who feel guilty or ashamed about their own tastes, whether they're like dominant or submissive, sadist or masochist, whatever, like will not feel comfortable asking for feedback that they need. That's that's itself that's itself scary. Yeah. Um, because if you're already feeling like you're in a place where you've done the wrong thing or you've gone too far, it's very scary to ask for reassurance that you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so having building that in upfront before you start doing things is like, hey, this is a thing that I know that I need. Mm-hmm. And then another thing that I've noticed that you do is is you don't just give me that feedback after a scene. You also um, you also remind me of that throughout our just day to day, even mm-hmm. when we're not doing anything pain related that you like are glad that you're with me and you're glad that I'm a sadist and like, this is uh, a thing that you want. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like being a masochist who dates people who are not sadists can be really hard sometimes because it's just like, Oh yeah, I'll give you this thing that you want. But like, I don't really have any personal investment in it. And like, I never like to feel like, I'm, you know, making someone do something that they don't want to do. So it's it's nice that we're like aligned in that way. Yeah, it's also really tough if you're if you're not a sadist and you start um, you start hurting uh, a bottom, and then as soon as you realize you're hurting them, like your impulse is going to be to just stop, mm-hmm. right? But if you're a sadist, you have a, a more internal motivation to keep going mm-hmm. uh, up to like pre-agreed uh, limits. Yeah, yeah. I feel like part of the reason you're so thoughtful about this stuff is that you are a programmer and you have a programmer brain and I know that you've talked to me before about like the ways that that interplays with like being a dominant and also with like being a hypno kinkster yeah how does your programmer brain app developer brain interplay with like your kinks a lot of programming um is thinking about things in terms of uh systems Mm -hmm. inputs and outputs causes and effects <laughs> and uh and and giving very clear instructions <laughs> right so You're computers <laughs> computers um when you talk to them in in code um only really understand things if they're incredibly clear and linear and um and uh sort of in the contract that you have with the programming language and the and the interpreter or compiler that you're talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so thinking in that way for over a decade now of um, how can I write this piece of code in the clearest way to accomplish my goals um, really directly relates to how I think about dominance. Mm-hmm. Um, when I give you a task or um, I give you uh, an order or an instruction, I try to think about it like that. Like what can I specify everything clearly in terms of what I want? And then can I also specify what will happen as a result? That's sort of like the, re- the return type of a function in programming. Like I'm going to give you these inputs, you're going to give me these outputs. Mm-hmm. And then like, if everything works correctly, like that's, that's how we know we did a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I see that a lot when you're talking to me when I'm either subspacey or in trance or both, which are both states where speaking to someone in a way that's ambiguous at all is often not going to go very well. Like you're not going to get the result 
you want and like maybe the person hearing those instructions is like not really going to feel great about not being able to complete them as requested so like I feel like you are very very clear in the way that you phrase things at those times in particular and I really appreciate that because then I feel like I can actually like succeed at what you're asking me to do yeah there's another related skill set which is thinking about things in terms of states so Mm -hmm. a lot of programming also deals with state machines Um, computers can have many uh, uh, computers and pro- the programs within them can be in many different states. Mm-hmm. And if you're dealing in a BDSM or HypnoKink context or any other kink context, really, the person that you're um, doing stuff to can also be in different states. And how you treat them and what inputs are required in those different states are another thing that you need to map out in your brain. Mm-hmm. So I often say, like, I often use a term from like user experience design and computing when I talk about how I think about you and what you need, which is like I have a mental model mm-hmm. of you, mm-hmm. right? And part of that is like based on um, taking really detailed notes mm-hmm. on your likes and dislikes and needs and reactions to previous scenes. Mm-hmm. And part of that is just based on internally my own experience of having been with you for a year and a half, um, building up this version of you that I can sort of check things against in my head. Like, uh, before I do something to you, I can sort of run a bit of a simulation in my brain and say, like, okay, how do I think Kate would respond to this mm-hmm. if I said this this phrase right now or if I use this toy? And usually, <laughs> like, increasingly, as, as I do more of those and then I sort of run little experiments and, and check what happens, like, it gets more and more accurate over time in terms mm-hmm. of what will, like, please you. <laughs> the scientific method yeah. of dominance, yeah. Would you recommend that dominants keep notes on their submissives? Like, you have, like, this whole big file of notes on me that has, like, my hard limits and my soft limits, and um, I don't know. What else is in there? A lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, what kinds of foods you like, what kinds of uh, allergies you have, the meds that you're on, like, <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't do it any other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep notes on almost everything that's important to me in my life. I think writing things down is one of the things that I I basically talk about every time every time I'm giving someone advice or giving a talk or uh, writing a blog post there's always a kernel in there about writing stuff down mm-hmm. and um, if you're treating your relationship with your submissive or your bottom or your top seriously I think uh, some kind of written notes are, are going to be necessary especially if you're playing with uh, multiple people it becomes even more important mm-hmm Yeah, it's interesting how I have a similar impulse in my sex life, which is my sort of sex spreadsheeting, which uh, is one of the more popular things I've ever done. Like, I I get questions constantly about the sex spreadsheet, and people are, like, always tagging me and stuff on Twitter about it. Yeah, people love it. Yeah, you're, like, really unusually chill about the sex spreadsheet. Like, I've had partners who were weird about it, which is understandable. Like, I don't think I would react great if I was with someone who was, like, tracking sex info in that much detail because like I think I would feel anxious which I think is what a lot of my partners feel like but you're just like so chill about it yeah I don't know I don't know why it would be threatening for somebody to um wanna record and recall like their experiences with you Mm -hmm. the the only reason why that would be threatening is if you think like you're not good at it or you're not Mm -hmm. pleasing them and like that's a different conversation yeah yeah that's true Okay, so another thing that I get asked about constantly is phone sex. And 
I actually think it's hilarious that like I have all these people in my online social spheres now who like equate me with phone sex and like associate me with <laughs> you're it. the phone the phone sex sex blogger yeah because I do talk about it like more than a lot of other sex bloggers in my community but it's not because I'm good at it like you you are <laughs> I'm no I'm not <laughs> <laughs> so okay so you're a phone sex top Right. Which means that you are the person who likes to say most of the shit. I like saying all the stuff, yeah. Right. So when I say that I'm not good at it, like, what I mean is that I'm not good at doing that part. But I, I am good at, like, phone sex bottoming. But, like, really, that that just boils down to, like, listening and moaning. Like, it's... No, I, it, no <laughs> it, it, it's, it's so much more than that. It's, it's listening, responding, yeah, sometimes, like, vocally responding with moans and stuff. But also, like trusting the instructions and following the fantasy that the top is is giving you Mm -hmm. right like actually living in that world and 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 like and like putting yourself there instead of remaining distanced from it and then you lose the sense of connection that's the whole reason for doing it like Mm -hmm. the, the pleasure and connection is from inhabiting the same moment and the same space even though you're separated by distance yeah and um you are so imaginative and able to do that that like I never feel disconnected from you during Aww, that. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's a collaborative act of imagination and storytelling. Right. Much like improv, which we both have experience with. Or Dungeons and Dragons or right. um yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wondering if you can give some like general phone sex tips because I get asked about this all the time and I'm always just like, IDK, talk to my partner. I don't know. <laughs> like it's not my area of expertise. Phone sex tips. Yeah. How do you be good um, at phone sex? How do you, how do you be good at phone sex? <laughs> uh, okay. I think, um, first of all, this is a really basic technical tip. Mm-hmm. Don't use the phone. <laughs> uh, it sounds, sounds, it's actually one of the worst mediums Sounds for it. wild. But yeah, um, analog telephones or, or calling somebody on the, on the regular phone, you lose so much information because all of the audio is compressed down so that it can fit over analog uh, phone lines. And so like if you're doing impact hopping, you can barely hear the hits. If you're trying to listen for someone's like breaths or moans, they're, they're really crunched down and compressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I like FaceTime audio uh, when it works. We're both on iPhones, but um, Skype or uh, any any digital voice service is mm-hmm. so much better yeah. for that than, than actually using the phone. So that's just the technical thing. Yeah, because um, then you can hear like breathing and like little shifts in breathing. Like I often notice you like changing your strategy based on what I think is like a very minor shift in the way I'm breathing and Absolutely. I was kind of like how do you even notice that like mm-hmm. you're just a very attuned top but it's also partly because of the technologies that we use right um and and you know if video is your thing do video usually we're doing audio only because mm-hmm. it lets you imagine more and, mm-hmm. and, and and lets you also like uh not have to worry about what your face is doing mm-hmm. which frees you up mm-hmm. um more behavioral tips um i think the the advice that's given about dirty talk pretty much all applies to phone sex um say what you want to do to somebody say what you're doing say what you did Mm -hmm. um and uh the other thing is you can play with and use the fact that it's a fantasy so -hmm. you don't you don't have to figure out exactly how to implement every single idea that you have Mm -hmm. you can talk about um stuff that would be hard to do in person or impractical or uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um and 
as long as the person can visualize it or has had that experience in the past or has some reference point, um, that can still be really hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so don't, so don't just don't just narrate the sex that you have every single day. Like, think of things that you can uniquely use the medium for. I think. Yeah, because there um, there are a lot of things in in person sex that I can't sustain for very long. Right. Whether for reasons of mobility and pain or just like, you know, boner issues or whatever. Like in, in all my sexual relationships, there's been like stuff that I you know wish that I could do for longer or in more intense ways than I could actually physically do and in phone sex like you can do that and and you know I can be on my knees for large amounts of time which I cannot do in real life right and then um it's it's helpful to have it's helpful to have uh sex toys if you're into that for Mm -hmm. phone sex um and to know what sex toys your partner has Mm -hmm. so that you can um suggest that they take something out of the drawer and start using it on themselves um, or start touching themselves in a certain way with a certain vibrator or uh, dildo or sleeve or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, I have a list published of yeah, my that's, collections. Yeah, that's also helpful. <laughs> um, uh, and um, the other thing that I think people forget about in phone sex, I mean, they forget about it in, in, in person sex as well, is um, not to jump right in to things. Yeah. Right? You, you need... You need um, an on-ramp and you need uh, uh, teasing and kissing and um, and stuff like that to get somebody into that space where it's easier to uh, fantasize and let go if mm-hmm. you just start you know if you just start with like what are you wearing like take off all your clothes like I'm gonna do these things like it, it's it's not hot yeah I find that you are extremely good at that and like one of the things that always used to make me feel like I wouldn't enjoy phone sex was that I have very like responsive desire so a lot of times in in in-person sex like the way that I get in the mood to have sex is by someone touching me or kissing me or doing all these things that you're saying and I kind of always envisioned that phone sex would not really allow for that because it would just be sort of like you would just start talking about fucking someone but yeah I mean of course it makes perfect sense that you would start with something more subtle yeah. in most cases how, I'm not I'm pretty tough basically for a lot of our phone succession so how long do you how long would you say they probably last on average oh I think between 40 minutes and an hour yeah that's and a, that sometimes if right. we're like really really grooving on it maybe an hour and a half yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then there are occasionally times where like we come and then we're like nope not done yet and so it's, that's yeah. like two hours or whatever right but yeah which feels to me like probably about the same amount of time that i spend when i have sex in person typically. i think that's a good guideline yeah I, I think like if if you have had sex with this person in person mm-hmm. um trying to make the phone sex around the same length to, you know the, the same amount of like on-ramp um core and then like aftercare and, and come down period is is a good mm-hmm. place to start Yeah, and in terms of practical phone sex skills, I have talked about this on my blog, but I know that there's not always a huge overlap between my blog audience and my podcast audience, so I will say this here as well. Um, We do have sort of a system for doing impact play over the phone, which, like, some people feel it's a little bit dicey to, like, physically hit yourself, um, whether it brings up, I don't know, self-harm feelings or it might be physically unsafe. But if it is something that you're interested in, what we do is we use a numerical system to denote um, intensity of hits. So you'll be like, I want you to hit yourself at a 2 out of 10. Um, and then you'll say the word now. 
every time you want me to hit myself and you'll like choose the implement for me in advance and stuff which is really different from if a dominant were just to say to me i want you to spank yourself and not give any further instruction because then i feel like i am just spanking myself which is not really what i am hoping to get out of that experience but if you're controlling it with your words then it feels more like how you control it when we're in person and like you know, I've gotten to a point where my body responds to your words without me even like needing to think about it that much. So it feels more like you're actually hitting me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Good tip. I feel like I was also surprised when we started having a lot of intense phone sex all the time. That <laughs> all the time. All the time. All the time. Um, yeah. One of the one of the questions I got on Twitter today was from my friend Lily, who was like, "When does he sleep?" Because we do stay, we do stay, stay up, up pretty late, late yeah. having phone sex like almost every day. But um, I was surprised at how much it didn't feel like a poor substitute or like just something that was like tiding us over until we could see each other in person anymore. Like we often kind of joke that like when we've been spending time together in person, we like miss phone sex, but it's like not really a joke. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> it, it does happen. And yeah. uh, often like as soon as we get home from even if it's like a, a long or tiring like travel journey, as soon as we both get to our respective cities, um, we'll like want to just jump right back into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah, it doesn't have to be, you know, poor man's sex. And I think it's a space to be really imaginative. and so sex act like any other. So it has its pros and cons and it has its place and its time and uh, definitely worth considering. So another thing related to audio, we're in an audio medium. Uh, my listeners have probably noticed you have a very nice voice. I don't know. <laughs> it's okay. I've noticed. I don't know. Um, so you're also a hypno kinkster. Yes. Yes. So tell me a little bit about getting into erotic hypnosis. Okay. Ero- yeah. Erotic hypnosis, hypno kink. Um, is my most core and earliest memorable kink. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the thing that I like the most. And it is, um, for folks who aren't familiar with it, it is using uh, hypnotic techniques um, to bring a subject into a trance-like state and then um, use the suggestibility that comes from that state to do all kinds of uh, fun stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can make pleasure more intense you can freeze people in place you can um what's some other stuff that we've done Mm, you can change someone's head state so make me feel littler or more submissive yeah gigglier or sort of do hypnotic amnesia or drug play um where you're uh suggesting that someone is drunk or high or has a hard time remembering um certain things uh you can make pain feel like pleasure. Right. Or I guess pleasure feel like pain if you wanted to do that. Yeah. And, and so this so for me, this kink uh, sort of came up when I was um, preteen uh, watching uh, a lot of cartoons and early media that had hypnosis. And I would always notice um, those scenes and pay really close attention to those scenes and get turned on from those scenes. And I think the um, thing that attracts me to it is not the mind control element of it which is a whole separate uh group in the community of of people who are really into like mind control and brainwashing is the primary thing Mm -hmm. for me it's about um the sort of slow induction into trance and then um the fact that you have somebody that is 
malleable and suggestible and the possibilities of how you can um, use that sort of sadistically and, and uh, sexually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty unique among kinks in its well-suitedness for long distance. Mm-hmm. Um, Didn't think about that when I got it. Yeah, yeah, no. (laughs) It's, um, yeah, because we did our first ever hypnosine, like, accidentally over the phone when we had been, I think we had known each other for, like, 10 days or some bullshit like that. Um, And it was this situation where, like, I had thought that I was going to have to wait until I saw you again in person to, like, do any kink stuff. Because I had said that, right? I had said said that if I I was going to trance you, I wanted to do it in person so that... It's safer that way, and also um, I, I feel like I'm better at it that yeah, way. Yeah. Uh, now I have uh, probably a lot more experience uh, mm-hmm. trancing you over the phone, so I don't know if I'd say that today. But then I had the most success um, trancing people uh, in person. Mm-hmm. But now you've gotten really good at doing it over the phone. Right. <laughs> and it's like an important part of our long-distance dynamic. Mm-hmm. People are very curious about the long distance thing. Like we were at a conference this weekend and when people would find out that we were in an LDR, they would like try to give us relationship tips. So much advice. Like as if we are struggling and, you know, not going to last or whatever. And like, I actually feel so fine about it. Like, obviously it would be nice to live closer, but like our relationship is very functional. So I don't know. Do you have any tips for like long distance DS in general? Oh, long distance DS. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, protocol is the name of the game mm-hmm. uh, on that, and I think you've written a lot about it. Sinclair Sexsmith writing about protocol is also really great, um, and they've been on the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the thing that that lets you do is have known. Um, known quantities of ways that you can be dominant or submissive throughout the day even when you don't have touch mm-hmm. right like me knowing that you're going to enter your to-do list every day and that I'm going to see it and approve of the things that you do mm-hmm. add add emojis to them you know to make sh- to, to make sure that you know that I saw them and and also um be able to compliment you at the end of the day that when we talk mm-hmm. on doing such a good job for me mm-hmm. um and uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of protocols like that but um, that's huge. Also, um, and we've we've kind of been all over the map on this, but are getting back into it. The check-in system mm-hmm. um, that we have in place because one of the things that you you lose also in long distance is just the like everyday casual like how are we doing like how's the relationship going kind of thing. So like having um, a time set aside to kind of in roll or out of roll, however you want to do that. I know there's there's people on both sides of that. Just like check in on the dynamic, check in on the relationship, and make and make any adjustments. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really great. So we have questions in ours like, uh, "What have I done lately that made you feel really loved and appreciated? Uh, what can I do coming up to support you and make you feel loved and appreciated? Um, how's our sex life doing? How's our DS dynamic doing?" Uh, what's something that you want to do together soon, which could be like could be like a sexual fantasy thing, or it could be you know a non-sexual thing. But I think that that's a great general question, and uh, yeah, all of those are like super helpful and yeah. really nice. The collar is also really nice. Like if you are into collars or physical symbols of dominance and submission, um, having uh, you have your collar sort of in a prominent spot in your room and knowing that I can have you put that on and wear it out to 
to um, symbolize that role and that connection uh, whenever I, I need it is really helpful also. Yeah, it makes me feel a bit like I'm taking you with me to whatever event I'm going to. Yeah, especially if it's like a scary social thing or in a, a doctor's appointment or um, just even like a trip to the DMV or whatever that might not be super fun. Like mm-hmm. having your partner in a symbolic way sort of hold you and and, and carry you through that is, is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love our caller. I want to shout out uh, Tal at Limware Propra who made our caller and... Um, we had previously bought one from them that was made of blue suede and I'm just like such a sweaty person that I just like sweated through the suede and it was like all fucked up so we asked Tal to make one that was like regular leather and uh it is beautiful I still love blue it. though yeah still blue related we did get a question on twitter about productivity doming sure my fave yeah i think i think quinn said like do you guys do productivity doming which i thought was kind of funny because it's like actually i consider it really core to our dynamic because i'm a person who needs to kind of be kept in line especially like since i'm a work from home freelancer like if i don't supply my own structure or have you supply some of it then i just won't get stuff done and you are also a person whose personality is just like well suited to being that enforcer like you you enjoy that role so like how do you productivity dom someone well uh well first you ask them if that's a thing that they want Mm -hmm. and and what it would mean to them yeah right because everyone's gonna have a different idea of where they need help productivity wise Mm -hmm. um sort of coaching uh them through their day and then um also when they need it right because not every, you don't need it every day mm-hmm. you don't you don't need someone to um tell you to do your work every day you have a lot of internal motivation but there are some days that are harder than others and there are some tasks that are harder than others mm-hmm. so for those those days and those tasks um then it's about figuring out uh what the why do you doing that task would make my life better Mm-hmm. why it would make your life better to do it, um, communicating that, and then also optionally associating some kind of other reward with that. Mm-hmm. Right? Like if you get if you get all of your to-dos done today, then um, you can have an orgasm later, or then uh, you can have a snack, or whatever the reward system that you have in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just being really serious about when things are, you must do this, mm-hmm. and when it's... This would this would be nice. Like uh, it would be okay if this shifts to another day because um, in modern like work and stuff, it's not always possible to get everything that you want to get done on a certain day done. And you don't want to make your submissive feel bad if things get moved around or stuff uh, interruptions happen. Like that's not their fault. Yeah, I know that we had that discussion about me cleaning my room. Right. Because we were discussing whether we wanted to have it be like a regular protocol where like maybe once a week or whatever I had to clean my room. And I was thinking about it and I was like, I have, you know, intermittent depression and I just don't really think that that's practical because like I'm just not going to be able to clean my room once a week if we're talking about like a big deep clean. So we kind of agreed that it would be like sort of a nice to have, not a need to have. And it would be like when I did do it, I could tell you and I would get some kind of reward. But it, I don't, it wasn't like mandated, which I think is like better suited to how my brain works. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the other thing is uh, sometimes it can be nice to trade tasks. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there are occasionally things that I will have you do for me because you would be better at them um, or, or because uh, that would just be good service for me. And then there are also times when something that would be really hard for you is really easy for me, like mm-hmm. calling a calling a location to check their hours mm-hmm. uh, if they're not available online or something. Super simple thing for me. You have some phone anxiety, so that's not super easy for you. So the productivity doming doesn't always have to be just like telling your submissive that they need to get stuff done. It can also be um, taking things off their plate and then and then um, getting something in return for that as the dominant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a dominant at one point who wanted to productivity dom me and had told me that it was, like, very important for him to have, like, a big guidance role in my career, and I felt very frustrated by this because I felt like he actually wasn't paying close enough attention to my day-to-day workflow to actually have a sense of what I needed in that regard, Mm -hmm. Um, because, like, you know, he he would tell me things like, you know, if you finish all your work today, you can have a snack, and it's like, but you have no sense of, like, what all my work entails and also like for me it's often helpful to have like smaller goal posts along the way and so I really like that we've set up that like you have access to my to-do list because I feel like you can very directly see what I'm accomplishing and you can be proud of me in a way where like I know that you are actually specifically proud of me for the things I actually did and not in this kind of vague way that doesn't motivate me yeah Absolutely. The specificity uh, goes back to the the programming conversation we were having earlier, like having clearly defined responsibilities, understanding what the inputs and outputs are like that, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be capable of giving you the kind of guidance necessary if I didn't read your work, if I didn't know what you were up to day to day, if I didn't understand your schedule Mm -hmm. Um, and all of that stuff is is crucial to being able uh, to do a good job as a dominant, I think, in this capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and is it satisfying for you to to take on that role for me? Yeah, absolutely. I I like when things are done well, <laughs> um, and I I like seeing the results of um, that productivity doming in terms of uh, advances in your career mm-hmm. uh, bylines that you have gotten in the last year and a half that you we were aspirational before mm-hmm. um and uh deals that you have done that were that seemed a little bit out of reach like some of that feels like it's directly or slightly indirectly attributable to some of the dominance that i've given you and i and that that makes me really proud you're being very modest right <laughs> a key example of this i have a story coming out soon on playboy and i had this idea for an essay for like a really long time and I said to you at one point, like, I should really pitch that essay around. Like, I wasn't really sure where, where I wanted to pitch it, though. And then you knew that Playboy was one of my goals for the year. So you said, why not Playboy? And I was kind of like, well, I don't think that they would accept it. Uh, and then I pitched it, and they said yes, like, immediately. So, yeah, like, I've seen, like, massive transformations in my career and in my productivity as a result of, like, you taking the reins on that. And um, I, I always say, like, better living through kink. Like, it's really just, like, one of the best examples in my life of ways that can can like concretely improve your life you have to be like thoughtful and intentional about it Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay i have a couple more things that i want to ask you about sure they're both kind of random but i just i was thinking in preparing for this episode about your unique skill set and like what finger do you finger bang yeah pretty close actually to what okay. I'm about to ask you um but I was like what what can you impart on my listeners that they might find helpful and um one of the things is you're very good at fucking me with toys oh yeah 
this is actually like a surprisingly difficult skill because like you can't see what's happening inside someone when you're fucking them with a toy and you can't really feel entirely what's happening in the way that you could with fingers or a dick or whatever mm-hmm. so like how do you fuck someone well with a toy i think uh um fucking them well with your hand first helps a lot <laughs> like if you if you can do it in a way where you can feel um all of the the changes um inside of them with your fingers mm-hmm. um then it's easy to translate it's easier to translate that to where you have less um sensation uh the, the other thing that's um useful if you can do it is to watch or even listen to them fuck themselves with that toy first Mm -hmm. because then you know what you're going for Mm -hmm. and you can make little like micro adjustments until you hear like you have a very particular sound when your a spot is getting touched the right way or when your g spot is getting touched the right way (laughs) and you know with a new toy that say you get in the mail like it might take a little while to find the right angle for that toy Mm -hmm. but once i get to that sound i know that i'm on the right track (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love that you're so observant about that because it's actually like very helpful in sex toy reviewing. Because like I can be like, well, what did you think of how that toy sounded on the phone last night? And you'll be like, well, you didn't make your A spot sound, so <laughs> then I make a note of that. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I can't always pay super close attention. <laughs> oh, one other thing, and that you know, this is always this is always good advice, and it's always said, but I'll, I'll say it again because it's important. Um, lube is uh, helpful. Lube. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a certain intimidation factor for some people um, just about using toys, so I can understand that they might just, like, be a little freaked out um, using a toy on their partner for the first time or something and forget that, like, lube would make that a lot more pleasant mm-hmm. often. Like, um, bodies, uh, like fingers and, 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 and holes and stuff... Um, can can you can make do without lube often, mm-hmm. but when you're using toys and when you're um, using holes that don't self lubricate and stuff, it's really important. And like having ha- you have it like right on your uh, bedside table, I have it in a drawer like right next to my bed, and we always have it when we're in hotels like this. Um, just have have lube and use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of it. <laughs> You're flirting with me, Vio. No, I would never. I would never. (laughs) What are some other... So we have a lot of travel sex. Do you have any other travel sex tips? Travel sex. Must-haves? Travel sex tips and must-haves. Okay, well, one of the things that we do is we always make a shared sex packing list. I don't know if other people... do this Um, but we kind of go through on each of our ends like okay who's bringing condoms who's bringing lube which types of lube which toys do we want and uh, also it kind of interplays with um, the types of scenes that we want to do on that trip like we usually have three or four days together a month um, and we plan out a few scenes or a few new kink things that we want to try make sure we have the equipment for those Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's nice because you know uh, it's it's, you don't want to get to a, a new city and have this like amazing idea for an impact scene and then not have anything to hit somebody with Mm -hmm. you can always use your fist but um uh you can (laughs) um the other one is um to keep in mind the um the guidelines on on what you're allowed to bring in in check baggage versus non-checked like almost every time i'm coming to see you i have a steel enjoy toy in my bag and almost every time they uh, they pull my bag out of the scanner and and um, and look at it. 
I have a standard response. <laughs> Every time they ask me what it is, they one time they asked me if it was a bottle opener. It's not. <laughs> um, I, it uh, could be. I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I don't want to try it and scratch the steel. Um, but but I, I just say it's a sex toy, and then they, they let me go. But like knowing that, knowing what, that you're allowed to have that, and and like uh, not having shame about it is is um, good. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, one other tip is it's nice to um, pay attention to if you're like uh, staying somewhere booking an Airbnb or a hotel like pay attention to like how much space you have what's available in the room when you're when you're planning this stuff like mm-hmm. we try to like look that stuff up ahead of time and make sure that you know if we want to do something where we need a bath like the, the room has a bath or um, if we want to do a lot of BJ things that we have like a chair that would be good for this <laughs> love a good BJ chair yeah yeah or a cunnilingus chair. They're, like, really interchangeable in a lot of ways. Are they? Now I'm thinking about it. Mostly, know. yeah. Mostly, yeah. The height may want to be a little different. But. Yeah, my thing lately with travel sex is, like, I used to try to bring, like, the vibrator that would be the most portable. And mm-hmm. it would be, like, a small thing. Oh, and, this is a good tip, yeah. Yeah, and then I found that, like, being out of my usual environment made it more difficult to relax and to orgasm and stuff like not by a ton but like by enough that it was affected so now I find that I need to bring like a vibe that I'm very used to using even if it means giving up a little bit of suitcase space by like trying to cram a magic wand in there or whatever because yeah it's, it's just worth like the, like vibrators are so foundational for me and for the way I have sex that it's like that's one thing that's not worth skimping on yeah and there were a few trips where, where we were trying to bring like two or three interesting vibes mm-hmm. you know like newer ones or ones that you wanted to test or like travel friendly ones and and there were points where it was just really frustrating for you so like even one great vibe that you know is consistently good mm-hmm. is better than like three kind of all over the map ones. yeah one vibe in the hand better than three in the bush yeah or don't whatever. put them there yeah. <laughs> and it's also good to have things that are sort of like multi-purpose like we have this uh cuffs from the unicorn collaborators that uh make a stylish wrist cuff that you can also turn into bondage cuffs and uh, a blindfold can be used in like a wide variety of different types of scenes oh and as a sleep mask if there's too much light in your room right yeah yeah, very good okay one more thing before we go uh i can't have an app developer on the show and not ask him about apps uh i just feel like you know you're so smart about this stuff so i'm wondering what exists out there in terms of good sex apps and like what should exist what do you wish existed in that realm yeah okay i'm gonna come at this from a from an ios perspective because that's what i develop on and know more about and use day to day um so if there are android folks out there that have great recommendations i'd love to hear about them on twitter um at the dildorks at mb um the apps the app situation is not great Mm -hmm. um the App Store review guidelines on Apple's platform prohibit a lot of um, sexuality-related content, and there's actually um, tons of apps that are distributed, like, sort of illegally in a, in a backdoor fashion um, <laughs> uh, to get around that, but I, but I wouldn't recommend using any of those because that's insecure. Mm-hmm. Um, the stuff that, like, does work what pretty well is, like, the WeVibe app. Right, mm-hmm. um, that that like lets us control um, the WeVibe Sync and, and other WeVibe products, mm-hmm. um, both remotely or if we're in the same place via Bluetooth. Um, that's super cool. Um, and there's a lot of um, 
there's a lot of apps out there that will like bring you together with communities of other sex nerds um like uh, all of the reddit apps like apollo is my favorite one but the r sex community there was was foundational to a lot of the stuff that i learned and um uh there there's also um web services like mojo upgrade uh mm-hmm. which let you kind of put together a, a want will won't yes no maybe type list mm-hmm. with your partner and in a fashion that um is a little bit less embarrassing just stating everything because it only shows you when you agree on things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's, I think there's uh, still tons of opportunity, and I, I think mostly that that opportunity is being um, held back by the by the guidelines. Yeah. Not by people's lack of creativity or interest in this space. Yeah. The other one that comes to mind for me is there's a lot of period tracking apps that also <laughs> have like sex tracking tools within them that are optional to use but I always would find it interesting to sort of like track correlations between like points in my cycle and like high or low libido Mm -hmm. moments I don't really keep up with it now because it would be a lot with like the spreadsheet also but uh, it's good to know that those are there yeah yeah what what I wish um you know I think that uh the the stuff that like um uh, what is it? Yes, please. Is that the the thing? The OMG yes. OMG yes. Uh, yeah, like the the stuff that OMG yes is doing, where they actually um, have videos with tons of people um, uh, about how they like to be touched, and they also have like simulations that you can do in your browser of like, okay, this is the kind of touch that I'm that I'm trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. That they're talking about in the lesson. That's what I want to see more of, and they're prevented from having an app. Mm. So they had to build everything so that it worked on, on the mobile web and, and on uh, desktop web, but they can't have an app in the app store, which limits the, their ability to like use the pressure sensitivity of the screens that we have today and mm-hmm. like um, haptic feedback. And like I, that's what I want to see more of. I want to see yeah. more sex education that like is using the capabilities of these incredible computers that we have in our pockets. And mm-hmm. um, for that to happen, we need to uh, change the change the rules and change the culture around it. But how likely do you think that that is to happen in the next, I don't know, 5, 10, 20 years? I think it's likely because of the um, increasing awareness of the sort of... um, The increasing awareness politically that these few large platforms have such a control over... uh, the experiences and and culture that we're we're building on these platforms. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that as soon as some governments um, start to step in and regulate this area more, uh, we'll have hopefully more freedom, uh, not less. Mm -hmm. Good. Optimistic. Mm -hmm. I like it. Okay. Thank you, love. Thank you. Um, Where can people find you online if they want to look you up and learn more about you? Sure thing. Uh, Probably the best place is Twitter. I'm on there a lot. I'm at MB just mb um uh my website is matthewbischoff.com i do not write about sex there often but i do write about um some of this technology and management stuff that we touched on a little bit and uh if you want to just see pictures of my face there on instagram at m-a-t-t-b mappy mappy i have been kate sloan you can find my sex blog, as always, at girlyjuice.net and the rest of my writing at katewritesaboutsex.com. I do write about sex on that website. I'm mm. not sure if it was clear. Wasn't sure. Yeah. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at girly underscore juice. Also a lot of pictures of your face on my feeds, so that's good. We look very cute together. We get that comment a lot. <laughs>
our outfits frequently match. Uh, we are the Dildorks, ordinarily. No. No. <laughs> no. Me and Bex are the Dildorks. Uh, our show is called The Dildorks. Uh, the website is thedildorks.com. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash thedildorks, which is where you can throw us a couple of bucks per episode if you want to support the work we're doing. And we can also uh, take your tweets at the Dildorks. And we have an Instagram, but we do not use it. <laughs> the last time I used it was to post a video of me and Bex doing blowjob shots at a bar. And it got a lot of engagement. And then I was like, I'm still not going to regularly use this. Account. Glad you mentioned it. <laughs> it's worth a watch. <laughs> I don't know. Um, anything? Oh, yeah. You have a newsletter now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. I have a newsletter now, uh, which is some personal, vulnerable writing uh, in addition to what I do on my blog. It's called Submissives, and you can find it at katesloan.substack.com. And uh, it's five bucks a month or 50 bucks for the year, and there's some good stuff in there, including some stuff about you, Uh, Matt, not the listeners of the podcast, although maybe someday. Yeah, never know. Uh, Our theme song is by Protodome. Our logo is by Amy. Thank you so much to you for listening. Until next time, folks, get out there and live your sexy, dorky life. Bye. I just noticed that I've like spilled a bunch of tea on my computer and I didn't, I don't remember doing that. You want to grab your napkin? No, it's fine. Okay. I think it's fine. Okay. You're going to see me do the, the welcome to oh, in boy. person. You never, you never see it. I never get to see it. Yeah. I never get to see you do it either though. That's true. <laughs> can you, can you do your impression of sure. the intro for yeah, me. Yeah, I, I can just, try it. I just need one great bloop. <laughs> one bloop. One bloop to rule them all. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to not look at you? No, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Dildorks. Dorky discourse on sex, dating, and masturbating. I am Kate Sloan. <laughs> I am one thing, and then another thing, and then another thing. <laughs> Excellent. You yeah. nailed it. Okay, great. That's exactly what I sound like. I write about sex. I'm a blogger. I do so <laughs> many things. I'm so cute. No. Yes. I'm not that cute. You're very cute. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs>